Hello and welcome to No More Mr. Niche Guy, the show where we celebrate athletes, experts and adventurers from all corners of the sporting world. On this episode, Dan talks to Crazy Legs Conti, a world-ranked Major League eater whose abilities have earned him the nicknames the Evil Knievel of the Alimentary Canal, the Houdini of Cuisini and the David Blaine of the Bowl. So without further ado, loosen your belts and please enjoy our conversation with Crazy Legs Conti. Crazy Legs Conti, we're so honoured to have you with us today to talk about Major League Eating. You're world ranked at this. You're a multi-world record holder, but let's start at the beginning. If someone's heard or never heard of Major League Eating before, how does it work? Well, Dan, I am really honoured to be talking to you today on uh, No More Mr. Niche Guy because I love the ethos of your podcast, and you're not wrong in thinking how does it work or what is it? Um, I've been 21 years on the major league eating circuit. Uh, my legacy in competitive eating might be that I require an after party after every contest, whether I'm there or not, in part because it's a communal meal, but it's every man or woman for themselves. However, in my 21st year, I am maybe the most grateful eater to be still on this circuit, on this path. So it's a good question you ask because People have wondered, and this is really going back decades, not in the modern era, like, is this a sport? We don't have to answer that question anymore because you can take any criterion you want for a sport. Does it have rules? Are there athletes? Is it on ESPN on July 4th, 40,000 people on the corner of Stillwell and Surf? Yes, yes, yes. And historically, as Rich Shea, who's the president of Major League Eating, would tell you, what was competitive eating in the caveman era? It's like, if an animal or rabbit went into a, a cave and there's three guys there, someone's got a club, they got to have dinner. We fast forwarded to 2022, where we have men and women on the pro competitive eating circuit. So Major League Eating, which you can check out at MajorLeadingEating.com, is truly the only stomach-centric sport where there are lots of sports in the Olympics. There's only one sport that the fuel to get you a gold medal is our sport, and that's Major League Eating. <laughs> Basically, it's 60 events a year. Uh, you pay your way to get to a contest. In most cases, you win it back in prize money. We've traveled the globe eating a lot of food in short amounts of time and different disciplines, different foods. Uh, basically, though, majorly eating over the last, you know, since 1996 when the league actually formed. And that was then called the IFOCE, the International Federation of Competitive Eating. Rebranded to Major League Eating MLE, a little better mouthfeel. Uh, I have eaten, personally, everything from A to Z. And by mentioning the alphabet, it's basically asparagus deep-fried in Stockton, four pounds. I came in third to Zeppoli, which is an Italian kind of pastry at the Feast of San Gennaro. But we actually only did Zeppoli uh, as an undercard for the cannoli eating contest. So Italian pastries, people often ask, like, Oh, are they the mini ones? I'm like, what are you talking about? Standard regulation, five-inch cannoli. It took me, just so to put this in perspective of how challenging this sport is, the contest existed from two, uh, two, uh, 2001 to uh, 2019. I ate in every year from 2002 as a rookie on. Uh, so 17 years of eating. It took me uh, till 2009 to win. I was always the marscapade bridesmaid, never the bride. I worked so hard for a contest with no prize money because it meant so much to me. 
Uh, at one point on the competitive eating circuit, there was $95,000 worth of prize money across seven different contests. I chose to stay in New York to try to win that. So I didn't. I lost. Uh, Tim Eater X Janice ate 28 cannolis in six minutes. I ate 22. If you're keeping track, he was actually my roommate at the time. So the competitive, the, the cannoli trophy, this giant trophy came home to our apartment. It was on his side of the apartment. I had a How heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Yeah, stomach break. But basically, people want to know, like, how does it work? Well, there's no science other than mind over stomach matter. There's no magic other than everywhere in the world I go, I am a bon viant. I hope people have a good time with me. And I get to eat amazing food and talk to amazing people. But how you get into the sport really involves following it, seeing where the events are, trying to go to your local event. And as an example, this is the perfect example. So uh, I've had two events in 2022. I got to go to Miami for Wings for Wishes, which is a sports grill bar. They're um, incredible wings. There's three locations. But anytime you can combine a sport, what I do with philanthropy, altruism. So the Make-A-Wish Foundation benefited from us eating a lot of chicken wings. The second event Amazing. I had. Yeah, and the second event I had was in Manor. I'm going to say it with the Texas accent. So you and I would say Manor, Texas, but I now know it's Manor. It was celebrating Manor's 150th anniversary with Texas sausage from Elgin. I would have said Elgin from Southside Market. So it's 100% beef sausage. It's smoked before. It's finished in a grill. Super dense, hard meat to eat. I was there with uh, a bunch of eaters that I absolutely enjoy eating with. Mickey Sudo, her partner, Nick Weary. Mickey Sudo has beaten me in almost every contest. Uh, she's the female hot dog champ. So, like, people are like, well, what's your record against Mickey? I'm like, I think it's like 0-7. They're like, oh, that's good. You've only lost seven times. I'm like, no, I've lost seven years, seven years of contests. But two, two people were there. Well, I want to get into an eater who was there in a minute. But two brothers the Meath twins, identical brothers, natural bodybuilders. So they stay at the same weight. Like um, they'd always been fans of competitive eating and the event was coming 20 minutes from their hometown. Uh, the Meath twins were just super excited to eat. And interestingly enough, one ate less than me, one ate more than me. And I felt like I, even though they were super complimentary, I was like, I thought you guys were going to eat the identical amount. How are you going to keep the same weight? So these two incredible kind of athletes from a different sport that figured out that was the event for them. So for anyone out there listening, it, and it, it's worldwide because there's a guy, James Webb from Australia. I haven't met him yet. He performed incredibly well uh, in an Indiana uh, Jack's donut hole donut eating contest. He's, he's performed incredibly well at uh, Benny's Virginia slices, which is sliced pizza uh, there's multiple occasions. Pizza is incredibly hard to eat in competition. You've eaten a slice of pizza before, right? I have. Yeah, several. So I'm going to quiz you here. I'm not going to ask you how you would eat it competitively. Tell me if it's a New York style slice of pizza called a walking slice. How do you how do you deal with a slice of pizza personally? So I fold it in half at the middle. So it's a triangle and I cut that triangle into two other triangles with a fold. Gotcha. Is that so correct? That is that might be great if you're if you don't want to get a little grease on your nice shirt, but in competitive eating, you've already lost. I'm sorry, I'm going to be judgmental. <laughs> you're gonna reverse the fold. Reversing the fold is folding it the opposite direction. So you have cheese, you have the soft wetness that's gonna line up both on the top and the bottom of your mouth. Now, you'd say, well, that's just it. Except 
different eaters do different things in competition. What's the hardest part of the pizza to deal with? Would you guess, Dan? So I'm guessing it's the dough. And I wanted to ask about this as well, because in terms of the technique, I've I've read in your book, it's important to have wet with the dry. That's one of the things you're thinking about when you're going into something. How does that work? So start with the pizza and tell me some more. So you, you're correct. Like going into a food, you always want to know the contest food because you can't just say pizza. We do different pizza scenarios. Fat Boy's pizza in Metairie, Louisiana is a larger format slice, meaning it has less crust to cheese topping ratio. So what you're doing is you're constantly... It's like the Terminator, like the first Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're looking at foods and you're literally, the mind is a computer to figure out how does this work? I'm going to Tetris it in my stomach, but how do I get it in in the most efficient economy of motion? Hardest thing to deal with in pizza is crust. It's a Mm non-dunking food. So to be honest, I spin it around. I reverse the fold. I spin the crust around because I'm going to eat the crust in three bites. I'm going to have liquid in my right hand. and, And you're correct in the book that, I recently, fairly recently published, which is called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Eater, A Competitive Eater's Diary. It's kind of a play on an Alan Silito book because it's the working man's journey to figure out how you can, you know, the stomach can fill up, but the mind never can. So mind over stomach matter. So pre-visualization, looking at that slice of pizza, I can imagine what it's going to feel like having done this for 21 years at each moment of the contest, but I don't really know until I get to that 10 minute contest. So you gotta go in with a strategy. And for me, what's been incredibly important in my 21st year, which is incredibly important for so many athletes, and I I really feel this to be true. So many athletes talk about being in the zone and doing something. I love basketball. I'm still hopeful that uh, Brad Stevens is gonna call me up for the, the Celtics are in the championship. We're gonna raise another banner, but it's fairly unlikely based on my skills at this, that I'm going to get called up to the NBA championship. So it's not about Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown saying I was in the zone. It's about what they do beforehand and preparation to get to flow is incredibly important competitive eating. So what you're doing after you've eaten, if you're a rookie eater, say, uh, well, I'll ask you this, Dan, what's your favorite food? We can talk pizza, but what's your favorite food? Not like if you can only eat one food, but give me a favorite food that you have. Uh, sandwiches. I'd say sandwich. it's my my oh. my go-to. Your go-to is it a is it a veg uh, a vegetable sandwich or a meat sandwich? A meat sandwich. Meat sandwich. Okay. So let's just take. Um, all right. Give give me a. We could choose any kind of meat. What's a what's a meat you enjoy though on on your sandwich? Let's go chicken. Chicken. Okay. Interesting. All right. So chicken salad sandwich. We're saying chicken or salad. Like, yeah. Okay. So we've never actually sanctioned chicken salad. I think it's delicious. I like it with a little tarragon. But in a chicken salad contest, it would be non-dunking because it would be too messy to have a judge, a major league eating judge, determine the detritus afterwards. Mm. However, you do need to pair the liquid. Tim Ederich Janis, now as a retired eater, he's a guy in face paint. He always, it was the alternative beverage movement. So a chicken salad sandwich is fairly moist, but chicken's going to dry out because you're looking at numbers that people want to get to really a Jeff the Digester Esper, who's the number two in the world, who challenges Joey Jaws Chestnut in a lot of foods and beats him. He's looking to do a pound of meat a minute per contest, but in sandwich foods, the bread is drier. So Tim Eater said the alternative beverage movement is pairing a sweeter beverage with a savory, a, a, a savory food. Chicken salad sandwiches are actually savory. 
so Tim, if he was still eating a circuit, he he loved uh, lemonade. I like Tang because, it, you know, they sent it up in space with the astronauts. I'm like, if it's good enough to head towards the moon, I'm dunking all my food in it. But because I'm not dunking the chicken salad sandwich, I need to hold that in my actual right hand. My left hand is my less yeah, dominant hand. But um, I'm going to eat a sandwich. And let's say these are full sandwiches, so they're not you know, cut on the diagonal because we don't have time to deal with that. We have no napkins. We're not trying to look pretty. We can, you can clean yourself up for the after party, but I'm literally taking that sandwich and reverse extrudering it with my left hand where I'm just forcing it about a third of it into my mouth. I'm taking a sip with the tang, a small sip on the first one. I'm extrudering it. uh, So I get the next uh, two thirds of the sandwich. I'm taking another sip, which is just liquid to kind of, you know, kind of get the moisture going. And then that literally that last third, I pop that in with my left hand and with my right hand, I take that cup and now it's not a sip. It's a glug. It's a chug. It's because I'm creating a log flume like ride from my mouth, through my esophagus into my, uh, you know, stomach. And then that's one unit of food. And then I repeat that for 10 minutes. So you're talking about an interesting uh, George Shea. He's got the boater hat on July 4th. He's up on a riser, fire and brimstone. Every competitive eating MC introduces the contest in a similar fashion. They prepare you for what's going to happen, but no one knows what it's like because the journey is you're communing with the food. You're not actually eating against the eater to your left or the eater to your right. So let's say I get one chicken salad sandwich down in a, in, in, in a, uh, the first, let's call it 20 to 30 seconds. Maybe I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm not because I still have nine and a half minutes left. And I would tell you this for anyone who is watching competitive eating. The last two minutes are where dreams are made and realities are broken. The last two minutes of any eating contest is literally when your body says it's had enough. Uh, I should mention there's one rule in competitive eating, which is if you reverse, we don't use the V word, that's vomit. We don't use the P word, that's puke. If you have an urge contrary to falling, you're disqualified. So you can leave it literally, you can like leave it, leave it figuratively all on the table, but not literally on the table because then you're disqualified. But that last two minutes and you're allowed to stuff the food in, in the buzzer, but you have to clear it in an acceptable amount of time. So if you're in the outlaws egg roll contest, do not stuff three egg rolls in your mouth at once because you won't finish it in the time it takes you to clear your mouth. Those are the parameters. Those are the rules. That still doesn't tell you looking from the outside as a spectator or even as a fellow eater. If, you're, if you've lost your mental focus and you look down the table, you're going to be demoralized. You're going to be discouraged. So just so, to clarify yeah. the rules. Um, so you've got a set period of time and you have one food. Um, yep. You need to eat as many of as you can in that period of time. You can't yep. reverse, which you've given a very good definition of. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. In some foods, you can dunk to combine it with liquid, um, but not all of them. True. And uh, th- tell me how detritus works. So I've seen some clips. Sometimes it seems not not everything's getting eaten. How does that get counted? Yeah, so the, what we call debris food uh call it, you know, chicken wings. So Hooters chicken wings in Buffalo. We do the Buffalo Wing Festival every Labor Day. We did uh, sports grill wings. Those have a bone. Uh, oysters. I absolutely, my, you know, I am the, uh, this is a spoiler, uh, but in, if you watch Crazy Legs Conti, Zen and the Art of Competitive Eating, it's streaming 
somewhere for free around the world. That was my journey from casual diner to gustatory gladiator. I was a, I was a fan of the sport. And then I was eating oysters uh, to break the record at the Acme Oyster House during the Super Bowl my hometown Patriots were in. But my friends, Chris Keneally and Daniel Franco, we're all filmmakers. They filmed me. I, I had no say in it. I'm incredibly proud that 21 years ago, there's footage of me cheering on competitive eaters who I, I love. Uh, later turned pro, Hungry Charles Hardy, now the commissioner of the league, Eric Badlands Booker. Uh, who's still doing competitive eating, but mostly focuses on Badlands Chugs. Picture, if you will, these two voluminous African-American men saying, Crazy Legs, you're on the circuit. Let's get you a plate of Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs and Buns, five of them. Let's see how you do. And then he, they made me do sprints of hot dogs. But what happens when you convert yourself to being a pro athlete is you have to find in yourself the ability to realize you're actually not, it's a communal meal. It's the brother and sister of the stomach, but you're competing against yourself. And that's the hardest thing I think for anyone to understand. Hmm. So to answer your question, it's, it's, it's one of the few sports on the planet that I know to be such an internal journey. If you had three months to train me, Rocky style, for my first eating competition what would we do okay so that's a great question um and rocky style you know 1978 he wasn't eating a lot of cheesesteaks but we've eaten a few in, in in competition but really what everyone wants to know about is the biggest contest on the circuit is uh, hot dogs and buns and that's nathan's famous hot dogs and buns because According to the annals of competitive eating, this contest has happened over 100 years. Um, Nathan's uh, was created by Nathan Handaworker. His wife, Ida, came up with the spice profile, which is top secret, but I have toured a factory. Um, and I would tell you to a, the question that you didn't ask, what's the most difficult thing to eat on the circuit is Nathan's famous hot dogs and buns. So mm -hmm. say three months, and this is actually particularly pertinent to what we're talking about because I have been on the circuit 21 years. Uh, this is my 21st year. I've eaten at the finals on July 4th at high noon at the corner of Stillwell and Surf, which is the exact location that um, Nathan's Famous was invented and started selling hot dogs 103 years ago. So I've done it 15 times out of 20 years. I hope to be there for my 16th time out of 21 years, but you have to qualify. So it's, we're right in the middle of hot dog season. So if I was training you, I honestly would say, Dan, don't, don't start off with hot dogs and buns. These are the most difficult. But since you asked, you would actually be best served taking the lead, looking historically at someone, uh, Adam Moran, who's known as Beard Meat Food, who's the greatest eater in UK history. I get to be a little bit of a historian. I think that I have an important mantra that's, you know, we can look back, we can't go back. We can future plan for occasions of celebration or tragedy because they're going to happen. But what we should do is stay as present as possible. And so it's, it's I'm not big on um, hyperbole, but I happen to know that Beard Meets Food is going to be the greatest UK eater in, in, in history for Major League Eating because he has an amazing channel where he just does restaurant challenges. But at a certain point, he realized just eating against himself and a mountain of food wasn't feeding 
it might have fed his creative soul because he's got tons of subscribers, but it wasn't feeding his competitive soul. He had to transition into not marathon eating, but hot dog eating. Now, he's since eaten in a variety of foods uh, in America. He, he ate in sausage. Uh, I've, I've seen him at Acme Oysters and things. But hot dogs and buns are the most difficult. You're a sandwich man. So imagine if you were to deconstruct a sandwich. You've got 2.5 ounces of a total unit. You've got this incredible uh, tube steak, as it's known, or wiener, uh, with a natural casing, super delicious. And you've got a bun. You've got to separate the two, dunk the bun. There's very few eaters who, if you don't dunk, you're done for. And then you've got to figure out how to get to current records so there's one person on the planet who's eaten 70 that's joey jaws chestnut 76 a lot of people like to use the sports terminology in fact just yesterday someone was like hey is he the uh is joey chestnut the tom brady of major league eating i'm like no it's it's sort of the other way around you know tom brady's the uh joey <laughs> chestnut of the nfl um but so they call him the goat i call him the geek he's half goat half sheep so greatest of all time he is able to do something that no one else does on july 4th how does he do it? You'd have to ask Joey Chestnut, and he's not going to tell you. So for a lot of other eaters, that number is just insurmountable. But that's why I talk about how you need to go about this. So my hot dog qualifier is coming up to compete for the 16th time. It's in Washington, D.C. on June 25th. And I'm going to talk to you about my approach so you could understand what your approach might be. Okay. We don't do any home training. We don't do anything that's going to hurt the body. Because think of it this way. What athlete, and I've run marathons. I've probably retired from that distance. The first marathon I did, I was kind of an idiot. I'd never run over 20 miles in my life. So nine days before the marathon, I ran Central Park three times. I ran like 21 miles. Clearly, my body didn't. I still finished the New York City Marathon. and later ran Boston and New York again. But that was the idiotic approach to it. Mm. You don't need to try to eat 30 hot dogs and buns to be able to do it in competition because you're just going to, if we were at a barbecue now and you sat down a plate of, of say, 20 Nathan's hot dogs and buns, or say there's a, a tray of hamburgers and you said, hey, could you just casually eat those? And I'd say, I could, but I don't know if I could. Like just eating casually, drinking beer. But once you make it a competition, it becomes something completely different. So what I would tell you to do is work on your physical shape whatever your activity is that you burn your calories normally for me jogging's important um I, I still go to the gym but that's just for vanity muscles so that i can actually get a dinner date where i don't eat you know all the woman's food but you have to figure out where you're working out what's going on in your mind and when it's in your mind you're doing the all the things that the inner game of tennis the book tells you there have been eaters like yasser doggy bag salem who've gotten sports psychologists now the fact that his nickname is doggy bag to me i'm like you shouldn't have leftovers you got to change that to the iron stomach but he's met with sports psychologists to figure out where we go to when we're in competition so for you if you want to eat hot dogs and buns try to make the finals i'd say start with thinking about everything leading up to those 10 minutes because that's all you can control in the actual 10 minutes the hot dogs and buns are always going to be the same they're always going to be flat top grilled cooked to eight minutes they're always going to be challenging so for you what i'd say is understand the food in its intellectual property and then do everything you can to understand your own mental state 
And that's really the most important advice I could give you. Mind over stomach matter. We've talked about lots of things that make a good eater. Um, there's this mental game part, and I think that's fascinating. That's something I'd not uh, imagined. And then there's also the technique of getting it in, chewing, hydrating it, swallowing, and then having the the strength to keep it in you. What do you think is the weak link for most competitors? Is it this mental game or where's the limit? You know what? I, you know, I'm going to tell you honestly, and this is a, this is a, this will be an exclusive to you. It's it's neither of those. You know what the toughest thing is? I, just as I said, when I meet a new eater, I say, hey, what do you want out of sport? And I support you make that happen. A lot of times the answers are I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to be this. And then for me, I just stop talking. I tell them where the after party is and I hope they have enough money or they win enough prize money to buy me a beer. Because there are things you do in life that you're only going to, well, let's call it in 2022, there's a big difference for me between success and victory. I only know one poem memorized. It's Emily Dickinson's Success is Counted Sweetest. I'm not going to recite it for you now because it's not a poetry podcast. But we're all successful on the circuit. You're still out there. You're doing something challenging, fun, frivolous, uh, incredible. We don't charge for tickets at Major League Eating. There's no admission fee. I finish an event. I step off stage. I will sign anything. I give my game-worn jersey away, which is absolutely disgusting, by the way, but you have to launder it yourself. There's something so pure about not having a wall between the fans and the professional athletes. Uh, I will say this. At Ben's Chili Boy contest, like Joey Chestnut, uh, he won with like two gallons. I did like a gallon and a half. It was a, a breakout performance for me. And he was really patting me on the back and he was giving me so many accolades. I was like, wow, he's never this complimentary. And then I realized he was wiping the leftover chili on the back of my shirt. But <laughs> so the notion that you come on the circuit and you want something out of your experience, I think is maybe the wrong one. I think most, uh, let's just say that the competitive eating road is littered with the carcasses of the egos of eaters who ask too much of the circuit and not enough of themselves. And that I really think is true. I just want people, there are eaters that maybe they think this is going to be the pantsia for their life's ills, that they'll become so famous that they'll be recognized the world over. There are eaters that think I can make all this money doing this. And I'm not, there are, there are those possibilities, but the people that, that I think succeed are the Prudence de Bedettos of the circuit, are the jewels Goldbergs of the circuit are these men and women who, they're like, you know, they're known as table enders in our sport because the maelstrom of meat is at the center. Uh, if you're at a table ender, you, you're not necessarily, you belong at the table, but there's guys who've retired from eating steak belly and wing kong, who some of the greatest humans on the planet because they knew they could perform in certain foods and they couldn't in others, and they went out and they just opted in. Uh, as an example, uh, I am the four-time corn and the cob eating champion of the world. They do it every year in West Palm Beach at an event called the Sweet Corn Fiesta. Uh, will I ever be the five-time champion? Well, I don't want to put anything out to the universe that I don't want out there. But the truth is I disagree with techniques that Gideon the Truth OG, that Carmen uh, Sincati, who's now retired, set the record. Uh, my best in corn and the cob is 48 years in 12 minutes, that's 48 years of corn. I use the manual typewriter. 
the world record is held by Carmen with 62 and a half ears of corn. This past year, Gideon OG repeated as champion. He's a two-time champ. Mickey Sudo, old Mickey, female champ in hot dogs and other sports, other uh, disciplines. She's won. But they use techniques like the Florida rake, whereas where you go up with the corn and it sprays everywhere, or the the, the, the Florida stripper, which is a refers to Achetius, that's a, those are strippers, uh, to keep their thin figures. So these are corn techniques to get the kernels off the ear that spray a bunch of corn. You had asked about detritus. you got to pick all that detritus up by the end of the contest and try to get it in you. But to me, and certain eaters won't do corn in the cup because it's such a technique food. I can't rail against what people are doing to get faster, better at corn in the cob. I just know what I do well, maybe outdated as the manual typewriter, which is left, right, left. I swallow, I don't make the ding noise, and then I go left, right. <laughs> so in a way, if I'm asking myself the same question, like I have to know going in, and also I'm fiscally irresponsible. I, I once bet my credit card bill on the corn in the cob eating contest. I came in second, I covered but I didn't have a lot of money to get back from Florida to New York or spend at the after party. So you kind of have to look at the foods you want to excel in, but you can't hang your hat on one food as eaters had done in the trophy area. So there's guys like the world, the world butter champion is Don Moses Lerman. That butter record will never be broken. We may never eat butter again, but in today's world, you have to be a cross-discipline athlete, which is why like Jeff, the digester Esper, uh, I don't know how much I can divulge because I think DraftKings, which is a gambling site, is a sponsor of July 4th generally. So I am very cautious as to predictive things. But Esper is out of Oxford, Mass. He's a former powerlifter. He teaches math at a vocational school. The kids could care less what he does in a competitive eating circuit on the weekends. He is both a scientist of food and knowing what his body, he put his body through as a powerlifter, I consider him, there's no geniuses on the circuit, but he's an expert. Now, he goes up against a guy like Joey Jaws Chestnut. He's beaten him in seven contests. But when we arrive on July 4th, there's something about the food you chose, the hot dog and bun, that it, uh, it is just so challenging. That's why I, I would be so honored to make it, to qualify, to be there for my 21st, uh, for my 16th time at the final table. So in a way, well, Joey Jaws Chestnut is the male champ. He's only been beaten in the last 14 years by Matt Megatode Stoney. Um, Mickey Sudo is a female champ with 48 hot dogs and buns in, in uh, 10 minutes. Last year, she was pregnant with her and Nick Weary's kid, Max. Wait till that kid turns 18. Um, the product of two top-ranked eaters. So Michelle Lesko is the female champ. So if you're gunning for any of those four people, should they be at July 4th? It's literally like saying on earth, I'm going after the, the, the four horse people of the esophagus. Like You just mentioned their name and dogs start barking. That's how it works. <laughs> I couldn't say their names anymore. How difficult is that? Well, look, I'm trying to get there myself. And I would tell you this, uh, our jerseys, on the back of our jerseys at July 4th, they put your personal best, your personal best in hot dogs and buns. Does it matter that I've eaten... 12 pounds of poutine it smokes poutine does it matter that i am i've eaten you know rouse's crawfish in huge amounts of poundage it doesn't you're distilled down to a number in the back of the jersey and i will mention this i was so honored because 
I've lost more hot dog qualifiers than any human in history trying to make July 4th. So at one point I asked Nathan's, they said, well, what's your personal best? What's the best you've ever done? We've seen you eat a million times. I said, I'd like, I feel like I've eaten an infinite amount of Nathan's famous hot dogs and buns. Could I have the infinity symbol on the back of my jersey? And that was honored for two years. Now, should I qualify? Will they have room for 25.33? I don't know if all those numbers will fit on the jersey. But the way I approach it is you have to take your victory. Well, let's say you have to take your success at every contest. You've made it. You've qualified. You're eating. You know I'm going to have an after party at a dive bar somewhere near. But will you have your victory? It really is up to each person. And, and like, I would weave your viewers, your, your listeners, with the notion it doesn't have to be competitive eating. But if you want to join this sport, like, you have to think like anyone at the top level of their respective sports, I'm not just going to be a pro. I need to figure out what victory is to me. You've talked before about technique foods and that you like technique foods. What are some examples of foods that need strategy and that don't? Good, good question. Okay, so the only ones that don't need strategy, the only ones that are simply capacity, meaning how much can you fit of a softer food in your stomach? Sometimes there are things that can be detrimental to that, meaning you have to use a spoon, say, in grits. Uh, my next event is in Mattituck, Long Island. It's at a strawberry festival. Usually it's on Father's Day. This year it's June 18th. So uh, by the time, you know, people are listening to this, it may have already happened. It may not have happened. But I would tell you, this is a contest, uh, besides the fact that I love dessert, and on the circuit, that's guilt-free calories, meaning anything I eat in competition couldn't possibly count against any non-existent diet I'm not going to go on. But I do focus every bite, chew, and swallow to arrive at a certain point in certain contests. However, strawberry shortcake is super delicious. Is it a technique? It depends on how thickly they slice the top strawberry, because otherwise it's just half-pound bowls of sponge cake, of uh, strawberry uh, slop, I don't even know, so, like sauce, what are they putting on that? And all you do is you use the utensil that you've been given, which is your left or right hand, and you scoop it up. You can't make too much of a mess because you'll get punitive um, deductions after the fact. You would, you know, like someone will go through and be like, you've, it looked like you ate 15 bowls, but you made such a mess, you ate 12. You don't want that to happen. Why leave it up to the judges? Leave it up to yourself. So that's a contest that is eight minutes and to me, it is the, the cliche, it's the cherry on top. It's not. It's the strawberry on top. So what you're witnessing on the competitive eating circuit is people who've combined the best of figuring out their technique with also figuring out the joy. And so strawberry shortcake to me is, is pure joy. I don't, I don't know what I'll eat, but I know it'll be an enormous amount. I won't use tang. I will use hot coffee because uh, like a lot of eaters use warm beverages with certain uh, foods, Joey Just Chestnut says warm water for his hot dogs and buns loosens all the internal sphincters. I'm kind of like, well, let's not loosen that last one because if not, you'd need an adult diaper sponsor. So there is something to the warmth helping it go down. Um, but that's a contest I look forward to just because to me, what's better in life than being like dessert is always after dinner where you have all the time in the world. Now, I don't have all the time in the world. I have eight minutes to eat as much strawberry shortcake as I want. But I, I don't even care if there's a napkin. My, my 
Salvador Dali mustache, my Grizzly Adams beard will be covered. And I am allowed about like, call it two ounces in my beard without it being a deduction. So after that contest, it'll literally look like I've dunked my face in a vat of strawberry milkshake. But I'll have a beautific smile on because I will have eaten all I can. I'll finish out where I finish in the prize money. That's just pure joy. But come my hot dog qualifier, I channel different athletes. I sometimes tell people who they are. I usually don't. And I know what I'm going to be wearing. I know what my mindset's going to be. I do a lot of fun and pageantry and interact. But for Nathan's famous hot dog qualifier, one guy that I channel is Mike Tyson, the boxer. They, there was a famous box. He had, he had one match where the announcer was trying to give him all his accolades, the way that George Shea or Rich Shea or Sam Barkley might mention all my food stuntmen things. And I'm incredibly honored to have done it. Um, I rode on top of the Wonder Wheel to celebrate the 100th anniversary of Nathan's. I ate my way out of a, a, a eight-foot box of popcorn, the popcorn sarcophagus. I'm the Houdini of Cusini, the Evil Knievel of the Alimentary Canal. I, I'm the David Bowie of the Bun, the Salvador Dali of the Deli. All those things would inflate my ego. They don't inflate. They don't make me expand stomach-wise or mentally. I block them out. So Mike Tyson is entering the ring. And they're saying all his records, how undefeated he is. And the one guy who announced the most important thing, he said, I notice he's not wearing socks. A guy who's not wearing socks doesn't plan on being in the ring very long. So when I go to a hot dog qualifier, I am apologizing beforehand. Afterwards, I will, sh I will sign anything. But beforehand, I am, I am the only person there. And those hot dogs are my hot dogs. And I have to approach this as if it's the last meal I'll ever eat. All of these things factor into anyone out there who thinks I could do that. And most athletes at high levels would say, you can't, you're not going to do this. I'm not one of those athletes. I'm going to tell you, you can. And how you do it, I'll help you along. I'll be as much a mentor to anyone who wants to listen as Hungry Charles Hardy and Badlands Booker. Badlands Booker does a, a YouTube channel now called Badlands Chugs. So he's transitioning out of the eating game into that. But I, those guys showed me what it is to be an eater 21 years ago. And really, as an ambassador of sport, I want the next eaters to come along. And I'm happy to give any knowledge I have. Now, how far will it get you? Well, uh, the greatest thing I've done as a human being is in 2009, Navy Entertainment partnered with Major League Eating. I got to tour six out of seven tours entertaining the American Armed Forces all over the world, which also involved entertaining uh, Greek military, Japanese military. Uh, there's something about food is universal. We all eat uh, to stay alive, but we eat as communal meals. Doing it in competition and traveling the world, you realize we're all human. We all love a good meal. Some of us eat it faster than others. But I could not be more thankful and grateful for those opportunities that have come to me as a 21 major league eater, and I would, I would kind of leave you with this notion, is I've had goals I never had for myself until someone said, do you want to be a video game avatar in Emily the Game or Bite the Bullet? Yes. Do you want to go to Thailand and Singapore and eat CP shrimp wontons? Yes. Do you want to, you know, do this? So sometimes in life, you just have to say yes, but then you have to opt in. And I think your podcast is amazing because how do you get a perspective on all these different 
sports of people who found their way and figured out technique and ethos and, and what they do. But it's kind of, I don't want to distill it all down, but it's, you know, if somebody says, would you like a second dessert and you want to be a competitive eater, just say yes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow our social media at Nishkai Podcast on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with future episodes.